Welcome, dear listeners. I'm Jonathan Carlin. And I'm Benjamin Carlin. And we invite you to join us through the Gryffindor, your one-way ticket to the enchanting world of Harry Potter. So grab your wands and dust off your broomsticks and join us as we unlock the treasures behind Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 6, Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It must have been such a challenge to not use the uh, the picture of Gilderoy Lockhart. From, I like, know. Is it the previous? No, it's not even from the previous. It's, it's Flourish it's and chapter Blots. chapter four. Yeah, Flourish and Blots. So it yes. is so funny that, yeah, the chapter titled Gilderoy Lockhart does not have the picture of Gilderoy Lockhart, even though that picture is used back in chapter four, which is like not something that you would pick up on if you were just like listening to it or like didn't have or if there weren't pictures on it, but it does feel like an intentional slight at Lockhart. If you ask me, yeah, there's like some big like Mike Wazowski energy here where it's like like it's literally Lockhart's chapter. It's, it's his namesake chapter and for the chapter art instead of getting this this glorious bright which weekly award winning smile you get this like half naked root baby plant head thing. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> in the form uh, of a mandrake. The so. mandrake. We we actually saw like a um uh, a mandrake in uh, London. Did we, we not? Yes, we did. This was like one of like kind of like interesting fun facts when we were doing uh we were brought out by Google Arts and Culture to the History of Magic exhibit at the British Library. That is correct. Um got all the deets. And while we were there, we were working um with Google Arts and Culture to basically create uh, a video that was kind of like showcasing some of the uh, like early inspiration for specific creations inside of the saga. Yeah. And one of those is just simply the fact that a mandrake is a real plant. Like this is not like a magical invention. And the I think sort of where the inspiration was pulled from is that the root system uh, or the bulbs of the mandrake plant can actually like look human like in yeah, appearance. Yeah, they like they kind of look yeah, like, sort of like what you see in the movie where it like not like the this particular chapter art image where it just looks like a small infant human child, but more like sort of a like a a root baby that has like a, a cringy face or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The movie, the movie's depiction of it is actually like kind of kind of spot on. Actually, yeah. So pretty pretty good in that regard. Um, actually, this this whole chapter I would say is like the the film adaptation the film adaptation of it is is true to form there there are a lot of things that are very uh very accurate there's a few things that i as i was reading i was like that does wait a minute that the movie got this a little bit wrong like i think in herbology class i think like the slytherins are there that's in true. the movie that's and I, yeah. I want to say like in the movie like neville like faints when he hears the mandrakes or whatever okay that's which, a good point as which well. i despise on two accounts one because in this chapter the earmuffs are like magic and like no sound should be allowed to get in at all. Yes. And two, if anyone's excelling at herbology, it's, it's Neville. Neville. I know. So uh, I thought that was uh, th- those are the only things that really st- stood out to me particularly different. But otherwise, yeah, a lot of this is like very spot on. Yeah, um, from yeah. the movie. No, it is. And, and probably even in the movie, what they were going for was trying to set you up for that. Like, why is it always me? Yeah. Like when Neville's like, you know, hanging from the, the chandelier or whatever. It's because like, he also just fainted like apparently that same day in herbology class. But it, it, it seems ridiculous to me that Neville was ever not excelling in the greenhouses because that's like his domain. Exactly. Um, so anyway, yes, yeah, so that's that's sort of like a brief overview as we as we enter this uh, particular chapter where just lots of really fun things and and probably some of our all time favorite Lockhart moments. Oh, my happen. gosh. This as I was reading it, like this chapter in particular, 
um, stood out to me as like the one like when we were kids. Yeah, uh, we would have to drive up to uh, we live in Virginia and we have to drive up to New York to visit our grandparents for like, you know, summer holidays or Christmas or whatever. Yep. And on one such occasion, after we had read several of the books, our dad managed to either bar- borrow cassettes or the CD audiobooks of Harry Potter. Yeah, we had them somehow before we ever properly received them because I know that I know that your wife, Beth, always gifted them to you as like, a, yes. like something when you guys were dating in college. So yeah. clearly we didn't have those CDs in our possession yet, but we did somehow have the Jim Dale audiobooks yes. earlier uh, and, for for brief stints. Yeah, and it was great. And there, were, I mean, we would listen to it, and like, so we'd like listen. The whole family would listen to it, and it was like every time we got in the car, be like, everyone, be quiet. We're listening. Jeez. Yes. But there was one particular uh, line by Jim Dale that just became like the family inside joke, and that I mean, because he says it. There's like three occasions where he says it, and it's always hilarious. But it's every time Lockhart shows up to Harry, and he just goes, Harry, <laughs> Harry. Harry. It's like, what? It's why like, is he saying? It's so funny the way he reads it in the audiobook. And it really, no, it, it really is. And it's, it's like comical because on like one page, there's like two paragraphs back to back where he does it. And it's like, I mean, this chapter in particular is even one as well where you, you might need to like wonder if Lockhart has told his own lies for so long that he has started to believe them. That almost has to be the case because like they're like, right when we meet him for the first time in this chapter he is like boasting about how he has met several whomping willows in his past and knows so much about them and was just giving professor sprout some tips and i don't want to indicate that i'm better at herbology than her or anything and it's just like dude you are surprisingly eager to put yourself like front and center of this like easily disproven lie I, like, yes, that's exactly it. It's it's like the thing that makes the least amount of sense. I mean, lots of like Lockhart is like ridiculous, but you would think that someone who has made such a career out of being a successful con man that he would be much more cognizant of like showcasing his ineptitude in front of people who actually know. I know, I know. It's like, why are you going up? Like, don't go out of your way to prove to someone who definitely knows about Whomping Willows to be like, I'm so good at this, especially because like, it sounds like he was out there helping Professor Sp- helping in quotes, like helping with the Whomping Willow without an audience, you know? Right, it's like, right. you know, wh- who are you proving this to? Her? Because like, no, you're not. Like, are you, are you, are you just so self-important at this point that like y- you genuinely believe you're helping? But like, but then at the end, like he still, he still knows he's stealing the stories. So it's like, what? What are you doing, man? <laughs> he, he's just—he's just remarkably delusional. And you're right, though. I mean, it's really funny, even just going back to that, like to what we say, like because we always talk about how much we like love Lockhart as, um, you know, as a character. Oh. And even even like our our Wizarding Candle subscription, just a little little plug for that, real quick. Um, like that kicked off the year. The first candle of the year for the month of January was called Pretty Obvious. Like we led <coughs> with Lockhart, you know, yeah. as oh. like a. I think it's hilarious. That that candle, by the way, is like my favorite candle that we've done. The pretty obvious one. Yeah, that that one's your favorite. Yes, yeah. it is so good. We are we are we have moved on past January. If you're interested in getting in on the uh, Wizarding Candle Club subscription, it is still available. We are now in uh, month 
2, where the uh, candle scent of the month is called Love Potion. It is called Love Potion. It's kind of like a spearminty, which, yes, which like when you first like smell it or sniff it, you're sort of like, you're like, this is a strange kind of scent for a candle, but I have to say it burns really nice. It does burn really nice. And if you're wondering, like, how do we land on like spearmint for a for love potion? It is because it is one of the things that like Hermione smells when she smells the love potion. Yes. Yes. yes so kinda. that that's the inspiration for the smell of this one. And as ever, of course, it has like a little a little collectible charm whenever you're done burning it. Yes. Yes. Indeed yes. So, you know, wizardingcandles.com if you're interested. And I will like we we actually sold out of the first run. So we had to like get get more oil to make more candles but we'd have very limited amount so if you want them like go do it because i'm i'm afraid we're gonna sell out again i know yeah there, there's a high possibility of that so definitely <laughs> go and check it out um but anyway so we yeah so what i was gonna say though is that um for like this chapter in particular is one that our family quotes all the time it is. and lockhart it, you know is like one of these characters that he's such like a buffoon but like as i'm actually reading this chapter like page by page i'm like i hate this guy oh like, i mean yes that's I'm like he's terrible like he's he's funny to laugh at as a character but as a person he's the worst he's just the worst yeah <laughs> yes yeah no and it's 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 really interesting as well because we we talked a little bit last uh last chapter about the um like the Dumbledore's big plan connotations here where um, like Dumbledore has hired Lockhart to demonstrate to Harry the dangers of like fame and all that type of stuff. And so when Harry arrives on the flying car, you know, to kick off this school year, there's the, there's the line from the previous chapter that says uh, Harry's whole body went numb. Dumbledore was looking unusually grave. Um, and this is like when he enters the room to kind of like dole out punishment or hear their side of the story for like, you know, what they were thinking. Yeah. And so, you know, our big thing here is that like Dumbledore was like, no, like, man, you had one year of success at school and then you immediately right. let it, it get to your, to your head. head like yeah and so that was sort of like our mind-blown moment from from the last chapter but then even in this chapter uh when lockhart comes over to him he's he's like saying um you know like like he like lockhart himself is commenting on like uh, that's such a me move isn't it like trying to get front page attention you got a taste of it and now you need more right it's like so like even it's like you know exactly what Dumbledore is worried is happening is matching what Lockhart assumes happened based on his own influence over yeah, one based Harry on James what Potter. he would do. Yes. yes, exactly. So it's like yeah. it's like so that I definitely think that that is like what is happening confirmed. Yeah, yeah. In um, terms of like how Dumbledore is feeling. Yes, yes. yes yep, definitely. I, I absolutely uh, agree with you. I yeah, I noted that as well. I also thought well, we'll come back to it. I okay. guess as as we get there, I suppose I suppose we could just go do our our, our chat our our you know. Our, our comb through, our comb our, through, our comb through. Exactly. Yeah. Let's just dive into it. So we start with Harry's uh, first day uh, at school. He heads down to breakfast. Where I just, I thought this was funny. He just like, it, no, I always love when there's a list of food at the Great Hall because it always makes me so hungry. Yes. Yeah, but on this particular morning, there's like porridge and kippers and toast and eggs and bacon. And then before the end of the paragraph, it's like Harry's down there um, talking about Harry had only just started his porridge when sure enough, and I'm always like Harry, Harry, why do you always choose the blandest food uh, yeah like, like, it's always a baked potato or porridge like yeah. did you have some dry toast as well like come right, on right. man like, he's, like, he's not going for the toast because it came pre-buttered i know right you know, there's like, no, there's no, egg, no, there's no eggs and you. bacon there sir right yeah if there's eggs and bacon on the table and you're not going for eggs and bacon then like i'm worried yeah yeah like, what do you what well, I, I don't yeah. i don't get it yeah um there's also i love how like the last book ended with neville being this like hero of 10 points that gets griffin 
nor the house cup and it's better to stand up to your enemies and it's like right away it's like yeah forget that Neville's an accident pro boy with the worst memory ever I, and he immediately it's just like it's like Harry describes him as the boy with the worst memory anyone had ever met and then like one sentence later he's like I forgot stuff <laughs> it's like yeah okay so any any credibility Neville built up in the last book forget that I know I know but it's so sad too because like once you find out how capable Neville actually is you're yeah. just like man what what all is he shouldering oh I know you it's know like, that it's like causing him to just like like just be so unwilling to to like you know I, I mean not unwilling but like unable to to like rise above everything else oh I know I mean you get a little bit of a taste on the next play page where Ron receives the howler in the mail from Mrs. Weasley but then Neville's the one who sort of fills you the audience in on like oh uh, you better open that quick it's worse if you don't my grand sent me one once and I ignored it and whew, it was horrible but like I, I when I read that I was like I wonder what she sent him the howler for because it must have been last year, right? Ooh, because like yikes. and and whatever it was, surely they all heard it. This can't have been the first time any in their entire first year that anyone got a howler, right? No, but you can even sort of imagine <clears throat> that because Neville is not exactly known for his uh like like misbehaving kind of behaviors. So like I'm immediately kind of getting some like very like Encanto, Abuela, generational trauma. I'm disappointed in you for not excelling more because you have, you should have all of your dad's magical abilities and why aren't you living up to expectations? Like, like it doesn't seem like Gran would be sending him a howler for like, like you got in trouble and that's unacceptable and so now I am embarrassing you for it. It seems more like like Neville would have in some way embarrassed her. Yeah. And well, I'm so I was trying to think because like the last year there was there is an occasion where Neville loses Gryffindor fifty points. That's by being true. out of bed. That's true. But it does seem like yeah. Harry would have been present for the Howler. Yeah. At also that point, true. or like, is there a like? Does Harry end up in the hospital wing recently after that? Like, I was trying to think. Was there a situation where Harry? would not have been present for whatever this was. Well, he is in the hospital wing yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah. And that would have been in the interim time uh, where like like uh, Neville's own actions the night that they went through the trap door wouldn't have been regarded as heroic yet. I, but, yeah, like but you know and there, could there is, she have heard about that and well there's like the like the line from Dumbledore, like it's a complete secret. So naturally the Everyone whole school knows. knows. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but that would that would seem like a strange one. It does that would seem like a strange one, unless it was just sort of like Gran found out at that moment that like, yep, Gryffindor finished last place and Neville lost us fifty points earlier in the year. It's it's his fault. Right, right. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to know, yeah, because even even like she seems to hold Harry in a high regard, but that comes with more uh general cre like credibility that Harry builds in the years to come. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if he if the news got out to um, you know, Neville's grandmother that the points were lost, but he was with Harry Potter. Like, would that have like buffered that situation at all? Anyway, so my, my chief thought here was that like we know that Neville lives under some crushing expectations from his grandmother. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so it's like, but like Neville also has his own trauma, re like Bellatrix Lestrange and his parents, um, of which he's he's not present for that, but he he can see Thestrals because he's seen 
His uncle die? Uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I think so. I think that's right. So, like, Neville, Neville's had a bunch of experiences that would have exposed him to a lot of different things. But I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out like what might be causing sort of like his his general like insecurity in his own abilities and whether or not like this howler could have contributed to that. Oh, it seems I, I, for sure. I think it could have. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, poor, I don't know. Poor Neville. I mean, I guess he uh, he goes to the hospital wing after he falls off the broom. Like, could that have gotten back to her? Something that embarrassed her? I have. Yeah, I mean, that does happen. Because <laughs> yep. she she would have sent him the remember all that very day. Right, right, you right. Know, like there there might have been some other correspondence, and maybe then hair. Like maybe none of the rest of them would have been present for it. Uh, yep, but, yep. Or the like, how dare you fall off that broomstick? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that certainly seems to be everyone else's reaction. That's it, what Madame Hooch is like. <laughs> yeah, get yep. down from there at once. And it's like he clearly isn't in control. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like this is all an accident. You know, he's he's not trying to show off. Yeah, um, I suppose it's possible it didn't arrive at school and it just happened over the breaks or something or like as a child. Yeah, but it just seems like he'd be with her. It does but. seem like you know if he's been <clears throat> largely raised by her, then when when would he have received it if not at school? And if at school, then why? Why wouldn't the rest of the school have known about it? Exactly. So, so anyway. what did he do? <laughs> right, right, right. And to be absolutely crystal clear for anybody who's like, guys, they're just introducing the Howler because this is the first time it's ever been like, you know, created. And so we need some exposition to explain. We know. We know. But, but like, we also need to, we need to like, like take you know, what, 40 yeah. steps backwards and be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. It's like... <laughs> It's not a plot hole. There's an explanation. <laughs> this is why you guys are listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> come on. No, just yeah, just just for the full disclosure for those folks yeah. who were like, "Come on, y'all." Um, and we get it. We get it. Um, anyway, but yeah. So anyway, uh, this is like one of those things where you can you can only imagine the kind of. Um, you know, despair that Harry's going through as the Weasleys have so kindly taken him in over the summer, and you know provided him so, with so much attention and food yes. and <laughs> all yeah. the rest, you know, common things that, that adult parents who are supervising your existence are supposed to do. But um, either which way I could, I could only imagine the, the racking guilt that Harry feels over uh, Arthur getting in trouble and, and all the rest that kind of comes through with his howler. Oh my gosh. I know it says like yeah, his insides were burning with guilt. Mr. Weasley's facing an inquiry at work. It was like, Oh gosh, that would be, yeah, I, that, that would be, that'd be a lot to take in <laughs> for so, the yes. people who don't so much for you. <laughs> this is something though where like I am trying to I like as a parent uh, in in reading about the howler situation and all the information that comes inside of the howler. I am like I am like forced to wonder to myself if this is a parenting decision that I that I also would ever make because I feel like it's not you know like it feels yeah. like it feels like this only uh, spreads all of like the negativity to even more ears than would have known otherwise. Do you? Okay, so this is interesting. As we're talking about like Dumbledore's big plan and like his like potential like like fear that Harry has gone the way of fame. Like in the Howler, it mentions letter from Dumbledore last night. I thought your father would die of shame. It's like whatever Dumbledore sent because Dumbledore like gets the truth out of them like they tell him what happened and whatever he sends to Mrs. Weasley does not do anything to like explain the situation in a way that is at least positive enough to prevent the howler. Oh, I you see know? where you're going. That's a good point. You know, like yeah. did Dumbledore yeah. is he just like I think some reparations need to be made here or you know right. like sure does Dumbledore voting. like yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> 
is he like what did Dumbledore put in that letter that called that led to Howler because I feel like Dumbledore is like let me go ahead and put the absolute guilt of God into Harry right now and, yes you know. yes well and that's the thing is that he he's trying to uh, dissuade him from this very way of thinking and so yeah I don't mind that at all I mean I, I didn't even think about the fact that it's uh, that the information is coming from a letter from Dumbledore um, which you know is is definitely like it's like okay there's, right there's his hand in it you know there we can, we can see him playing master yeah. puppeteer right at all I times mean, she she does react in this exact same way when they take the cart the first time so there's that as well but yes letter from Dumbledore there it is he that he communicated and whatever he said was not like don't worry I understand there was a problem you know I haven't gotten them in trouble or anything you know <laughs> right right, right. Yeah. yes 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 but the, I mean we, we've said before that there's a decent possibility that um, like Molly or Arthur or both of them were sort of involved from the word go because we go back to that that scene at platform nine and three quarters where like Molly is like asking aloud to the group like what's the platform and it's like you know the platform you've been yeah. here a million times so it's like it wouldn't be if this is again funneling into uh, Dumbledore's big plan it's not the first time that we've seen instance of it being directly related to like Molly and Arthur right so that would also I think continue to track a little bit with what we already know about the situation at large. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next up, they get their core schedules. They have a double herbology with the Hufflepuffs, which I just I always point this. Out. I just I think it's funny that they have like double herbology with the Hufflepuffs and double potions with the Slytherins all the time, but never do they have classes with the Ravenclaws. <laughs> you know, know like why not? I, yes. And it's like, is it just too many? Like I, I I've I posed this question a bunch of times with with Neville in particular uh, from the first book where they um, what is it? The, not the venomous tentacular. What is the first? What is the plant they fall on when they go through the trap door? Oh, the oh my gosh, the devil snare. Devil snare. Thank you. I always get those two confused. Uh, similarly with uh, Justin Finch Fletchley, who we're about to meet and oh, uh, JFF. Yeah, and Ernie McMillan. Um, but the, I, it kind of goes back to that thought where I've 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 suggested before that I think that like Neville was maybe supposed to be tapped to be part of the what is otherwise what we always refer to as the golden trio. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like one of those where it's like, was it just two? much to imagine like having an additional dynamic coming from the Ravenclaws. So oh, I know. it's like you have but, the but Luna's there. <laughs> Luna's there. Yeah, I know that's true. And maybe that was the way to be like, okay, we're not we don't have nearly enough Ravenclaw representation. Even even the fact that Cho Chang eventually is the Ravenclaw like seeker. Yeah. Like gives a little bit more for that house to do that is like otherwise largely unsung for like the first few installments. Oh, I know. Like, especially because like you, you could point out like um, I think Quirrell and Lockhart are both Ravenclaws as well. Okay. Yep. Yep. um, You can do some like extracurricular reading and can like confirm their houses. So it's like they have sort of had some spotlight action here, at least as the bad guys for the first two books. Right. But also it's not brought up that they're from Ravenclaw. Sure. So like even though they were like they may as well not have been if all you did was read the book. Yeah. That's that's true as well, and I mean that's that's the other thing. I mean the Ravenclaws would be difficult to <laughs> illustrate, I think, a little bit in text or or in this capacity, like for like a double class, just simply because like the Hufflepuffs feel like the mildly empathetic to Gryffindor house, whereas it seems like the Ravenclaws could be like the mildly empathetic or like you know uh, to the Slytherin side of things. Like where if you're gonna have like. The Gryffindor and Slytherin be the opposite end of the spectrum. I would say Hufflepuff seems like the house closer to Gryffindor and Ravenclaw seems like the house closer to Slytherin. Um, and so I don't know if like maybe like I guess Zachariah Smith 
ends up maybe being a little bit of that character as we get closer, like Order yeah. of the Phoenix. He's the worst. He's kind of well. like the the super frustrating yeah, like Ravenclaw like, representative, where it's like he, no, Zachariah Smith's Hufflepuff. Is he Hufflepuff? Yeah. This okay. I literally even wrote that in my notes where I constantly confuse Justin Finch Fleshley with Ernie McMillan and Zachariah Smith, and I, for whatever reason, I uh, yeah. Anyway, they're all right there. Who says why aren't you in Ravenclaw if you can do a uh, a protein charm. Terry Boot. Terry Boot. Terry Boot. Ah, Terramus Bootimus. Indeed. Good save, man. Probably his full name. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's because it, people tend to shorten their last names as well. As their first <laughs> yeah, names. right. <laughs> Good old T Boot. Mister Bootimus. Mister Boot. Oh man, I do love the line after we um, get the their class schedules here, where you do see Sprout walking away from the Whomping Willow, um, and just sort of learn that she tended to it uh, over the night. Like, oh, yep. I'm I'm the herbology teacher, so of course I'm the one tending to it because it feels like as the books progress, they give like the other like it feels like at some point it's sort of sort of Snape and McGonagall that just sort of do everything. Sure. You know, yeah. like, but no, no, here's Sprout. She's doing a thing. She's doing a thing. Yeah. And what's funny about that is that I literally wrote my notes because we get the line like um, Harry spotted the Whomping Willow in the distance. Several of its branches were now in slings. I literally just wrote. I always forget this detail. Like, oh, yeah. Like if you were to ask me like, you know, how how did Professor Sprout mend the Whomping Willow after the car crashed into it? I'd be like, she didn't. Yeah. Did that happen? Was I know. That, like, it's know? always like it's, it always like Snape always says you damaged an ancient tree. And I'm always like, they didn't damage it. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's, trees are hardy. OK, okay they, right, exactly. It'll, it'll be fine. They hit, some branches fell off, whatever. You know? uh, obviously, they, they do repair it, though, because it was damaged as much as it also damaged Ron and Harry and the, the car. car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we, we get the line that basically um, we like uh, that. Sprout has like dirt under her fingernails that would have made Aunt Petunia faint, whereas <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart was immaculate in sweeping robes of turquoise, which in case you're just keeping track of all of the different colored robes, which, oh man, could we go back and we could, all right, for <laughs> forget me not blue? Was forget that, me not blue, yeah. Was that the one from, from Flourish and Blots? That was at Flourish and Blots, and then... For the opening feast, was it um, like aquamarine? Oh, that, that sounds right. Oh goodness, I wish I could remember. I, I'm like literally doing this in real time, trying to like like test myself. Oh man, are you like, gonna, yeah, can you find the page where it says? Uh, I guess it would have been the Whomping Willow uh, chapter. Oh my gosh, can we find it? Hold, hold, hold. Aquamarine. Hold, hold, hold. Aquamarine. Yep. I Aquamarine. got it. Amazing. Amazing. Man. Way to go, team. Many all... shades of blue so far. Yes, it must. It must go. Well, I mean, guess the Ravenclaw could be sort of like. I guess know, so. Yeah, yeah. Peeking out a little bit through that mm -hmm. uh, goes well with his with his flowing locks, his golden hair, mm -hmm. um, possibly. But anyway, yeah. So he's wearing <laughs> the the robes of turquoise. But so just clearly that. Um, um, he was doing nothing inside of the the prepare or the repair of the tree, and Professor Sprout was basically doing all of it. Absolutely, which um, seems obvious to Harry at least right away that like uh, yeah, well, you didn't you didn't do anything. Um, I think it is interesting though. So then, of course, we have his famous line of Harry, Harry, Harry. Just you know, being being old chums, which he gets in there three times in a row. He has Harry, Harry, Harry. Um, but I always think it is interesting that like he he specifically spots Harry and like pulls him aside to like give him a stern talking to or whatever. But like what he says, like I understand natural to want a bit more once you've had that first taste, and I blame myself for giving that to you because it was bound to go to your head. But see here, young man, you can't start flying cars and try and get yourself noticed. Like he says, like just calm down, all right. It's almost like like he. 
he's sort of giving him good advice a little bit. Like it sounds like he's a little is he's more concerned about him than you'd expect. Yes, you no, know? I, I I understand what you're saying here. The question or like the tone of voice that you read it in is whether or not like Lockhart is worried about being like showed up by that, Harry. Uh, okay, yes. Like, Actually, I have two notes. I said oddly concerned for Harry, and then afraid of being outshone himself. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, I I feel like with, with his overflowing vanity, there's no ability for me to see it any other way. Yeah, other than that being exactly what happened. Uh, but then even in the same piece of dialogue, we get. Uh, but when but when I was twelve. I was just as much of a nobody as you are now. And I wrote wrong. Yeah. In fact, I'd say I was even more of a nobody. And I wrote correct. Correct. <laughs> I know that he says like all oh, that business with he who must not be named. He says, I know. I know. It's not quite as good as winning which weekly's most charming smile award five times in a row as I have. But it's a start, Harry. It's a start. It's like, are you comparing defeating Voldemort to winning your dumb magazine award it is and the- saying that yours is better? Yes. It's like you are massive. Like you're downplaying this situation so ridiculously that it is almost like you must be like lost inside of your own lies and think that you are that you've been like triumphing over uh, like challenges of, of like that are uh, like comparable to Voldemort, right? Because that is just it is just so not the it case. It is just so not like, the case. Yeah, e- even if all the things that he had done were true, they would still not stack up to defeat. I know. Voldemort, so. <laughs> yes, that that is the thing. You're right. Like even if. Even if he wasn't a liar and all the things he had done were actually true, he would still not be as famous as Harry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, not 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 even in the slightest. Yeah. So which uh, for the record is the situation most people believe to be true. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Nope. I- including Hermione, which is like one of those things to be continuing in the chapter. I'm just sort of like <sighs> how would, like because it, it, it seems like anybody who actually knows anything would be able to tell that he's a fraud in no time flat and Hermione knows things exactly well that's sort of a, maybe like the the true danger of his like branding I guess maybe so you know it's maybe like so. you know it's like he's 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 done such a good job of it that even like perfectly smart people like people want it to be true so bad right that they just ignore the truth yes yeah no that's fair that's fair so we'll, we'll keep we'll circle back to that in just a couple minutes because now the next thing I want to talk about is the is the mandrakes yes uh, which is what's happening inside of the first lesson for herbology um, this is like one of those things that I was curious if you had any thoughts about uh, Dumbledore's big plan implications because like obviously Dumbledore does not know that the Chamber of Secrets is going to be open, that petrifications are going to be happening, nor that the Mandrakes would be vital. But I do always find it to be just a little convenient that they happen to be working with the exact plant that is also relevant to the the curing of there is that this it, whole book's plot. I, my my interpretation is that it's always just sort of been that like second years always start with Mandrakes, and so it's just conveniently the fact that we also will need those exact things. Um, later that year. What I found kind of interesting about it is that like um, Hermione says it's used to return people who've been transfigured or cursed to their original state. So like obviously they're going to use it to heal the people who have been petrified later on this year. Uh, However, prior to that, Hermione is going to in is is going to need is going to be transfigured in the wrong way via the polyjuice potion when she drinks it with the cat and it sounds like mandrakes are what she would need to be healed but like for some reason she's healed from like they're able to heal Hermione from that pretty quickly like even though they can't restore the people who've been petrified yet so it's like they're I don't know maybe there just is a different way 
to cure her from the cat transformation, but it like what she says seems like it would apply. It does. It does. I mean, I, I suppose there's some possibility that this is like a um, like like there's some amount. I mean, like cause again, to your point, if every second year, every year does this particular lesson, then maybe they have like like medium stores of it that could have been available like when Hermione is turned into a cat because I do I, I mean it is pretty interesting like it, it is used to return people who have been transfigured or cursed their original state like I'm almost curious if like this is something that like if you're even attempting to become like an animagus uh, if it would not be vitally important in like your training uh, because there if is you do have to keep some kind of leaf in your mouth for <gasps> an entire month is it a mandrake is it a mandrake leaf? leaf oh my gosh we would have to fact check that but if that was true that that would be so interesting. Oh man. Because yeah, like uh, the <laughs> the process, there's there's like in the Pottermore archives, like a deep dive into like what you need to do in order to become an animagus. And one of them is keeping a particular leaf under your mouth from like one full moon to the next or something like that. Some some weird amount of time. But it is. It is a weird amount of time. I'm like, how on earth would you not chew the leaf the entire time? I know, I know. Like, it's like how would you not swallow it? Like it what be... are the magical properties of this leaf that it's not dissolving in your spit over thirty days worth of time in your mouth, where apparently you can't take it out at all how are you eating in this time i don't know that that has always been interesting so while you look that up i will also point out that i was wondering so when because they're making a potion right that they're going to like give to the petrified people is that right yep so uh, but they can't like drink it because they're petrified so it's more of like a like a (gasps) mist kind of thing right i'm so sorry to interrupt you it is to carry a single mandrake leaf in your mouth that is so cool bam man okay okay confirmed that was fun well there you go maybe that's where it's return people who have been transfigured to their original state so it's almost like whatever whatever properties of the mandrake leaf are um, at work, it's almost like you're like permanently integrating that into your body, probably as the way to trans retransform from animal back into yes. human. It's almost right? like it's almost like setting your like uh, like transfiguration compass to like a like a to like point north or something. Right. Like like where is where is like the home position intended ah, to be? That's but so. Even that's kind of curious because then like when Sirius is a dog, like he says that like James even suggested like making the change permanent. Like it'd almost be curious if you could do the same thing in reverse and it would like Oh, like, like if you did like if you went through the whole Animagus process again but like, like the other stayed way. as a dog the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That I have interesting. no idea. Okay, the other thing I thought was interesting is that like so it must be some sort of more like topical potion rather than like an ingestible one. Oh, sure. Okay. Because like you can't like well well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's possible, but they must. There must be a topical version of it because obviously the petrified people can't drink anything. Right. Right. So um, it also reminded me, whatever potion it is, I wonder if that is what the thief's downfall actually is <gasps> in Gringotts, because it is used to return people who have been transfigured or cursed to their original state. And like when they go through the thief's downfall, it untransforms Hermione, it untransfigures Ron, and it releases the Imperious curse from the goblin. Yep. They quickly re-put the curse on him, but like all of those things happen. 
Yeah, no, I totally right? think so. Yeah. So yeah. do they just have like a, I'm imagining like an aquarium, like filtration system where it's just sort of making the waterfall over and over and over. Right, right, yeah. right. right. Yeah, <laughs> just, like, but it's just this potion. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> what, a, what a clever little creation. Yeah. Um, no, I totally, I mean, it, it, in some way, shape or form, it would have to be infused with mandrake. Right. It's so, it's so heavily attached to transfiguration. So, uh, no, I love that. That's super cool, super interesting, neat continuity, uh, or at least head canon. Head canon. Canon yeah. continuity. Yeah. continuity. Um, okay. Very cool. Very yep. cool. Um, oh, yes. uh, then, so uh, for answering this question, Sprout gives Hermione 10 points to Gryffindor, which, like, whoa, scaling much here with the points? Yeah. So this, again, goes back to what we said in book one, which was basically the sentiment of, like, it seems like they're giving out, like, take a point for Gryffindor. And it's like, one point. One. It's yeah. Like, well, that seems so slow. Like, so, so few. And the, the curiosity we've, we've suggested before is, like, maybe you can earn more points the further into, your schooling you are because like it is a lot more difficult to successfully get like a question right but then like the stakes are also then available like higher right um so like you can you can have more points so i'd be like it'd be interesting if you're like in your seventh year all of a sudden it was like you know you get a question right in one of your classes it's like wow that was impressive that's 50 points right it'd be like okay all right. All right, let's go and it would also prevent first years from coming in and just like ruining your house cup chances because yeah. like they could they they can contribute a little and detract a little but harder for them to contribute a lot or detract a lot right it also but it does seem like it's sort of like levels out around here like 10 points seems like a much more common number like for the rest of the time they're at hogwarts it totally so does. it's yeah. also possible then that maybe like maybe for first years it's just like all right first year is like you yeah of course you can you can play in the house cup but like you know yeah it's the training get, wheels program it's like the training wheels program yeah. you'll earn tiny points you'll lose tiny points like you won't be a huge liability to the seventh years who are like really trying hard here but like uh, second year you're in the full game you're in training yeah. wheels are off training wheels are or off something. yep yep let's go <laughs> or or it just became easier to say 10 points instead of one at a time or that, whatever. that's but also true through the gryffindor is supported by rosetta stone as much as i love getting lost in a fictional world i also love traveling abroad and getting lost out in the real world and by getting lost i of course mean finding adventure and just like mastering the intricate spells of the wizarding world learning a new language can be an adventure all on its own. With Rosetta Stone's innovative language learning programs, you can unlock the secrets of communication from the comfort of your own common room. And Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. I think where I personally always struggled in school trying to learn a new language is the classes were long and my attention simply would drift, but Rosetta Stone provides lessons as short as 10 minutes. You could even do it during your morning commute, making it perfect for any attention span. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Through the Gryffindor listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Through the Gryffindor is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me tell you what, I wish I had more time. Between time for family, work, exercise, and household responsibility, life keeps me so busy. So much so that part of my own problem is that even when I do find a window of time to do something just for me, I'm not even sure what I want it to be. Like read a book, take a nap, contemplate the turnings of the world. It's strange, but at some point in time, I may have lost the thread on what I actually want to do 
with my own time. And that's where therapy can really, truly help. It's one of the primary topics I bring up in my own sessions. How do I recognize my own genuine passions versus what I think the world, family, or social media might want me to do? Finding breakthroughs in this department has been massive. It means my downtime is actually refilling my cup compared to being worn out attempting to keep up in the rat race of life. If you're ever finding yourself grappling with something similar, consider therapy with BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gryffindor today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gryffindor. Through the Gryffindor is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Okay, so are you guys like me? Like where you watch the Avengers, you're like, wow, Nick Fury has no idea how to assemble a team. I would make so many changes. Well, with Marvel Strike Force, you can do just that. Because this game is all about engaging in epic battles, strategically assembling your team of heroes and villains to stop the evil Ultimus. But it is really not just about the battles. I mean, Marvel Strike Force offers an immersive storyline, stunning graphics, and a vast roster of characters to collect an upgrade from Spider-Man to Captain America, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom to Black Panther, the entire Marvel Universe is yours to explore. So seriously, it doesn't even matter if you're a hardcore Marvel fan or not, or whether you're just looking for like an action-packed RPG experience, download Marvel Strike Force now on the App Store or Google Play Store and join millions of players worldwide and unleash the power of the Marvel Universe on your mobile device. Plus, this is kind of the cool thing and maybe why you want to do it like right now is because the Deadpool anniversary event is going on right now. So there's like weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you receive special awards and skins and all that fun, cool cosmetic upgrade stuff. And and we have a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow the link in our description. That's how they know you came from us and use the promo code MAXPOOL. And once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Yep. Um, let's see. <laughs> we learned the cry of the mandrake is fatal, fatal to anyone who hears it, which is to me, I was like, wow, Sec- 12 year olds are dealing with potentially fatal creatures here. That's wow. Okay. Yeah. The, the only better thing be standing. Good. Be- I would like I would really reiterate that sprout like really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The only thing standing between <clears throat> you and death right now is potentially a fluffy pink pair of earmuffs. Right. Yeah. Magically enhanced, hopefully magically en- enhanced. Yes. Uh, so anyway, then we get the earmuffs, which do seem to be magically enhanced so that you don't hear anything, which uh, just makes me one. It makes me bother so much more that Neville faints in the books because it's like they shouldn't be able to hear anything because magic. Right. Um, so what well, faints in the movie? Sorry. Is, he, there is no mention of Neville being good or bad about the mandrakes in the books, which is just another slap that it happens in the movie because it's not like, oh, yeah, it happened in the books. Right. right, right. Yeah. Or, or that even <laughs> Neville was relevant to the scene. Yeah. Neville's really not at all. So I feel like there could have been a line in here that would have been like, oh, Neville finished potting his mandrake immediately or whatever, something like that. But doesn't matter. Apparently, also, we say fatal, but apparently these are babies, so they won't kill you yet, uh, but they'll just, I guess, make you pass out or something. Right. Um, then, yeah, we get to meet uh, good old JFF, Justin Finch Fletchley. 
Yes. Yeah. Who's who's like a bit of a character. He he seems like uh, at least Muggleborn from one side of the family because he says that my name was down for Eaton. Um, this is always like one of those things that probably makes a lot more sense if you live in the UK. Um, but here in America, I always I, I always was curious if like Eaton was uh, like another wizarding school somewhere oh. or like like it didn't occur to me that this was like a like it, it, I don't know it as like a known boarding school otherwise oh right but uh, but i do think that eaton is like a fairly highly prestigious uh muggle boarding school there you go uh, i think specifically for boys but I, I don't know i i didn't get that far into my fact checking but i think that that is the case okay um otherwise he seems to uh similarly kind of be like fascinated with everything to do with um lockhart's antics he's got the line here it says uh i'd have died of fear if i'd been uh cornered in a telephone booth by a werewolf but he stayed cool and zap just fantastic yeah <laughs> okay bro yeah um yes it totally sold on it it surprised me he says of course the mother was slightly disappointed but since i made her read lockhart's books i think she's begun to see how useful it would be to have a fully trained wizard in the family which to me is interesting because they're in year two so like he went through his whole first year and his mom was still like i don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> mm, not sold are we are we sure i mean it kind of feels like how the dursleys might be if <clears throat> like like dudley had been accepted where it would be sort of like they'd be at war between being like honored that their their child had been accepted and also like like I don't know if I like I don't know if I like this of course I have to imagine after like does he show is he still around no he is he continues to go to Hogwarts who's that Justin Finch Fletchley because he's in the Dumbledore's army I think so yeah Yeah. which is almost surprising because it's like apparently his mom is on the fence and all that sells her is the Lockhart books but then one this year her son is going to be attacked by a basilisk and two it's going to turn out that Lockhart was a fraud so yeah you should be like uh, Justin you're still at Eaton. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> turns out this year has not been safe. The one person I was able to look up to is a fraud. So we're not doing. We're not. We're not doing thousand. good. No, you're not going back there. You know what's <laughs> interesting though is that as I even wrote the note and I mentioned before that he reminds me of Ernie McMillan. But even his first ever, uh, like you know, introduction reminds me of Ernie. Like we, me and you always joke. There's this like line in Half Blood Prince where Ernie like catches up with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. He's like, assault D.A. Lags. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's sort of like, oh, we go way back um, to last year. To last year. Several months ago. Also, like, oh, you're like 16, bro. So yeah. <laughs> cool it. Um, but anyway, so like his, his intro is, I mean, just about as friendly as you could ask of anybody. I mean, he's immediately just like, no, you are, of course, the famous Harry Potter and you're Hermione. Granger always topping everything and even throws Ron a bone and says, wasn't it you in the flying car? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, Ron's not super like pleased <coughs> that this is coming up in this particular occasion, but at, at bare minimum, this is somebody attempting to be like, hey, I know all of your names and I know a thing about each of you. Right. Uh, which is not the worst way to like make friends. I know. It's. Know, I, like, I mean, he's doing, yeah, he's doing good. I mean, I mean, he maybe should have gone for the chess game, but maybe you know, so. Yeah, maybe. that's, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Like read the room, dude. Didn't you hear the howler? <laughs> or it should be like, yeah, <laughs> Like, look, Ron, clearly everyone's already forgotten about the howler. Like, chill your bones, man. Yeah, also true. Also yeah. true. People just thought it was cool. People just thought it was funny. Yeah, like, do you think that's going to, does that make it worse? Apparently, Ron is so embarrassed by the howler that he refuses to even ask for a fixed wand for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like, it must be so evident that he cannot do magic, you know? Like, 
What what does he think? I don't. I, the fact that he goes the whole year without asking for a new wand is like bananas to me. It is bananas, and this feels another one of those like like uh, sort of writing challenges where maybe you come up with the idea that like of having Lockhart's wand backfire at some point in time, and so like the Howler is almost an installment so that we are able to like understand. Mrs. Weasley's frustration is at such a high level that Ron doesn't even find like enough comfort in asking for a new wand. And it's otherwise like then at wizard school with one arm tied behind his back because he doesn't have the most essential tool for doing wizard stuff. Yeah. So it's like it it almost feels like you're like if you're going to commit to like the backfiring Ron wand later, you have to find a way to pre-solve the question that is why doesn't Ron just have a new wand? I know, and, and right? it's like this is as close as we get to an answer. This is as close he, as we he's get. He's too afraid to ask his parents. Too afraid to ask and he's got spello tape. You know, that's gonna that'll that'll fix it. Yeah, right? this this reminds me so much <coughs> of uh we watched like Rugrats growing up a lot and yeah. uh like Stu Pickles is a big inventor mm-hmm. and you know solves problems with rubber bands, bubble gum and, and scotch tape and such. Duct tape. Yeah and this this feels like just just Stu Pickles. Yeah, just yeah, just yeah. just tape it back together. This is also like a um a pun that goes over I think American heads because like spello tape. Whenever I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's a funny name for like magical tape. Spe- they do spells, spello tape, of course. But um in in like England, like what we call what we call Scotch tape, they call cello tape. <gasps> so spello tape is like a play on that. <laughs> oh. Wow, yeah. man, that's there not me go. learning that for the first time ever. There okay. you go. <laughs> okay, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So we're anyway we're seeing the issues that Ron is having with this particular wand, uh, where they are trying to transfigure beetles into buttons, um, which is kind of an interesting one. Where later on in the uh, in the chapter, we know that uh, Hermione has like a whole handful of little uh, perfectly transfigured buttons, and I'm like, hey, those poor beetles. Jeez, <laughs> jeez, man! It's like can't can't you like break them free of their of their being inside of? If of I know one thing about Hermione Granger is that she hates beetles. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Turn these beetles into buttons. Lock that beetle in a jar. Yeah, absolutely no empathy towards these. Beetles no beetles. Whatsoever. Yep, yep, um, <clears throat> yep. So maybe maybe that's just a little. May, I'm joking, but maybe it's foreshadowing. Yeah, maybe you know, that's for, right. For yeah. Rita Skeeter to come in in book four. Mm-hmm. Um, something to look out. This for. This is like when Rita Skeeter in like book four starts being such a problem. It's like why it's like it, it seems like she would be problematic the first three years too like certainly she's like writing articles and stuff now yes that is a good point you know and where's the Rita Skeeter articles about Sirius Black like certainly she had things to say about that almost certainly. what a bungling the ministry is doing or something something or other Wow. Yeah. Good. I mean, what a headline. Exactly. I can see it already. What a bungling. <laughs> what a bungling. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it definitely seems like uh, Rita should have should be showing up, but maybe maybe they're maybe they're just not like it's not like relevant <coughs> stories to what they're dealing with. And yeah. so like they're just not like making the headlines. And and like for most of the series, like through like with Sirius, like there could be all sorts of headlines about him and they could be like super incriminating and stuff. But like none of them really have like any empathy towards Sirius. So they're not like, wow, can you believe what this this person's yeah, writing what says yeah yeah so maybe i guess in the wider wizarding world things are just pretty calm right now yes yeah yeah um so next thing we get though is uh a we get to meet the the boy that harry saw uh, at the sorting hat ceremony the night before which happens to be the one and only colin creevy mm-hmm. 
Um, which is maybe possibly like an indication that like Harry himself is just cursed with bad luck because in an entire year's worth of schooling where the primary objective is to not lean into his fame, there happens to be a new kid in his house who is all about emphasizing Harry's fame. Oh, yeah. 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 I thought this was this is so she, she just immediately comes up. And says, Can I take a picture? We sign it. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I th- also, he says like uh, someone in his dormitory said, if I develop the film in the right potion, the pictures will move, which is just interesting because it means that like the fact that the pictures move has something to do with the development of the film. Ra- I always thought it maybe had more to do with the camera because whenever you see the cameras like in the movies or I think even in the book, it like describes them as being like smoking and looking like very old fashioned cameras. Yeah, we were but, seeing. Like, yeah, you're right. We yeah. were seeing that uh, during flourish and blotch chapter where yeah. the, the photographer is taking photos, but for the they're, like, they're, they're like much more modern film cameras, you know, like even in the 90s, like our dad had a camera that shot on film. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't have to be some giant flashbulb smoking thing to get a f- like a film picture if it's just the potion that makes it move. I you know, know. <laughs> I, well, I wonder if maybe the possible difference here is that he's using a uh, muggle camera. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so like maybe because it's a muggle camera versus like a wizarding camera, like you have to use a potion that is then influencing the muggle film and you're, oh. you're almost getting like a live photo. I suppose. I suppose. Thing. So you think like a like a wizard camera would there are wizard. OK, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like the wizard wizard cameras, cameras would just automatically have moving pictures. Exactly. I see. Yeah. This is okay. this is more because it seems it seems like he's muggle born and uh, you know, he. I mean, his dad's a milkman. Um, <laughs> Does so, it say that this one? Yes. A, he's a milkman. He couldn't believe it either. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking loads of pictures to send home to him. Honestly, really adorable. Oh, I mean, like, yes. you know, for, for any 11 year old to be like, I can't wait to send <laughs> And send photos back home to mom and dad. It's like if like now being a parent, if there was a world where Addie at 11 is somewhere and she wants to send me photos from there, like that would just fill my heart with sheer glee. Oh, I know, right? You it's know? like also it's just I feel a little bad for Colin here because if he just like managed to catch Harry like in the common room or something like at night, like I'm sure Harry would have just been like, oh, sure, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, Harry's you know? a nice enough human being. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the, the problem is, is that again, going back to Harry being cursed is that Draco Malfoy shows up inside of this conversation <laughs> Followed by Gilderoy Lockhart. Like, are you kidding me right now, bro? <laughs> it is like the worst two possible people to show up while signed photos are being discussed. Uh, but I do love this one particular line from Colin, who we know ends up being quite a brave character. He's a member of Dumbledore's army. He dies at the Battle of Hogwarts. But um, Malfoy, who is now going to be like, you know, his upperclassman, it sounds like Colin's kind of a small kid anyway, yeah. um, stands up for Harry uh, to, to Malfoy and says, you're just jealous, piped up Colin, whose entire body was about as thick as Crab's neck. Um, you know, that, honestly, I find that to be like pretty admirable. Like it he's is. clearly in the right house. Oh, but he's definitely know? in the right house and it is pretty brave of him to do it. And also not for nothing, he's a thousand percent correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Malfoy's like jealous and it's like, yeah, Yes, you are, dude. You're so jealous. Yeah, that is exactly yeah. what is happening right yeah. now. <laughs> and, this, and this this muggle kid just just caught you in one. Just caught you in one. He's like, who didn't? Yeah, what does he say? Of what? I don't know. I don't want a foul skull right across my head. Thanks. It's like, yeah, but you do want all the attention that it gets you. So not to mm-hmm. mention, it's a pretty baller scar. Pretty baller. I know. It's, it's like lightning, lightning bolt shape. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that what Ron uh, threatens threatens him to eat slugs, which is of course later a spell he's actually going to try and cast at Malfoy, which will backfire and hit himself and make himself 
puke, puke slugs. slugs. Yeah. Yep, yep. Too Gross. Yep. Trying his best though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so then of course, uh, like, like I just mentioned, Lockhart stumbles into the situation and yeah. once again, just has more advice, uh, you know, for, for Harry about how like you're, you're not quite at this stage of your co- career. <laughs> it isn't sensible. <laughs> Looks a, a tad big headed <laughs> is, is what Lockhart says to him. And this is like one of those lines, like where he specifically says at this stage of your career. And this is such like projecting Lockhart's own uh, like beliefs, intentions, and values onto Harry that he is assuming that Harry is developing his own fame-based career at, at like as a twelve-year-old. Yeah, like that. All of this is very intentional. Yes, of course. Yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. say like it's um, there is a thing I think um there in whatever like the ebook chapter about Lockhart where like even as a student like I guess. Because he, is he Muggleborn? Is that right? I want to say. I can't remember. It can't might remember. be the case. Maybe, maybe he is the only. He might no. be the only wizard. Yeah, to, in his family. In his family. Yeah, like there were like squibs and then him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which which possibly is like feeding into this like this inflated sense of like ah yes I am better than my siblings or something. Like right. That. But yeah. then he like arrives at Hogwarts and like fails to realize that like everyone else there is just as magical as him and he's yes. <laughs> right. I want right. to say he tries to pull a stunt where he like writes his name in cursive across the entire Quidditch field. Yep. I think. Yep. And it's like, uh, it's like, I can't, I feel like when you read about it in the book, it's like no one's really impressed, but I feel like that'd be such a hilarious prank in real life. Oh, like, like if you managed to pull that off, like right. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like maybe that would have earned you some popularity points. It could have. It could yeah. have. I mean, this is this is like uh, like I feel like if Fred and George just weren't beaters on the team already, then they probably would have done. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. They, you know, they put up a giant like whiz, we, we, Weasley wizard wheezes up in the sky before they leave. Right. 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 You know? yeah, maybe yeah. they would have done like, you know, poo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like every time we go to play Quidditch, the, the Weasleys have just written another message out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Them. yeah. I also yeah. So anyway, Lockhart shows up. I'm almost surprised Snape doesn't show up in this scene too. To uh, yeah, be, right? You know? Yeah, I know. Why not? Why, Why not? not? Potter giving out signed photos. That'd be a thousand points from Gryffindor. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Let's see. I, yeah. I love uh, Lockhart just name dropping at every or just listing all of his accomplishments off at at all because we get into his class next, right? Yeah. yeah, they go into his class and he's uh, holding up his books, travels to trolls. I love his little introduction. He says me, Gildroy Lockhart or Order of Merlin third class, which is like the only other time you mentioned the other classes is that <laughs> he's not first class. He's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I underline third class. Too. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Weird flex, but okay. weird flex. Yeah, <laughs> honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League and five time winner of which weekly's most charming smile award, but I don't talk about that. <laughs> it's like I love the but I don't talk about that. It's like it is like it's come up twice in this chapter, bro. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like oh man, but all uh, all of these things, it's like it's pretty funny because it's like yeah, Order of Merlin third class, which to me is almost sort of like like the whatever governing body that that hands out the Order of Merlins knows that he's a fraud, and they're like and like the public is almost demanding like him be awarded something. Right. Like, Fine, we'll give him the lowest one. Right. You know, right, all and right, then right. He, even then he's an honorary member of the Dark. Force right. League. Yes. And his only other like major accolade is winning a, like, a magazine thing. So it's like none of these awards are as prestigious as he's making it sound like they are. Oh, I know. I know. 
Yes, but I don't. This is also. I think this entire line is just like it is like word for word in the movies. Yes, yes, it you is. Yep. It's just like the delivery is so good. It's like I didn't get rid of the banded banshee by smiling at her. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote LOL next to it. Oh my god, I, yeah. I can't stop laughing. Oh my god, I know. I highlighted this whole thing and just wrote gold next to it. It's yes. like this is one of my favorite like just introductions ever. It's just like he's so smarmy and stupid. Oh my mm. gosh. Uh, let's see. Um, bu- 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 they take the quiz. They take the quiz. Fifty-four uh, quiz. They take the fifty-four question survey about <laughs> <laughs> about Lockhart. This little focus group here. Yeah, all right. So here's me answering. One. What is Gilderoy's favorite color? Gilderoy Lockhart's favorite color? Lilac. What is Gilderoy Lockhart's secret ambition? I put hair care products. What, in your opinion, is Gilderoy Lockhart's greatest achievement to date? I just wrote, "Wow." <laughs> 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 yeah, that sounds about right. It's like, oh, come on. It's like yeah, th- that that is like just inviting compliments in a way that is so like <laughs> absurd. I know, right? Oh man, if everyone would like to leave us some comments down in the YouTube about what do you think is our greatest accomplishment to date? <laughs> you know, just whatever you think. What, whatever comes to mind. Whatever comes whatever, to yeah, mind, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, no, don't do that. Um, let's see. And then let's see. He goes on um, to kind of answer all of these questions for us. So uh, I clearly state in chapter 12 that my ideal birthday gift would be harmony between all magic and non magical peoples, which he's talking about wanderings with werewolves here, which like uh, obviously he's a fraud anyway, but it's like a surprisingly progressive stance towards werewolves if you like have to consider like what the situation must have been like if he wants harmony between magical and non-magical people in a book called wanderings with werewolves then it sounds to me like context clues would suggest that the conflict in the book is between a werewolf the magical people and the non-magical people muggles right so he wants harmony between these groups of people but the the conflict would have been between a werewolf. So it's like, like, is he advocating for werewolf? He's rights? advocating for werewolf rights. Okay. It, like okay. in a, you know, you know, illegitimate way, yeah. but it's there. <laughs> it's like, I mean, at least, at least we can get on board with the messaging. If nothing else, if nothing else, no matter how much of a fraud he is. <laughs> yes. Um, I uh, did. I did highlight the very next line though. That yeah. says, uh, cause that, that is his favorite, uh, like, like gift. Is that what he wants is, or yeah. Ideal birthday gift. Yes. Um, I wouldn't say no to a large bottle of Ogden's old fire whiskey. I, that's just trivia for me. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. if not, if not, uh, harmony between magic and non magic people, then Ogden's fire whiskey. Okay. Remember that remember one. remember that one that's Stash like my, that's his re, that's his real answer yes. um, and then this is this is I love this line right, right down here and it says his secret ambition is to rid the world of evil and market my own range of hair care, hair care potions and it's like what is just especially hilarious about this secret ambition is that uh, Harry Harry Potter uh, literally does rid the world of evil and his entire fortune is built on a line of hair care potions. It is. It <laughs> so is. Yeah. So like, so like, like <laughs> Harry lives out. Harry lives out Lockhart's dream. Right. Right. Yes. Also, uh, you're calling this a secret ambition. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. What's my secret ambition? It's like uh, definitionally impossible to know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like like I would I would literally write if it's a secret. Right? I know, right, come on now. I shouldn't expose, this is a trick question. I shouldn't expose you yeah. here in this pop quiz. Also, why would you keep that a secret? I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be like like my my secret ambition is to run for president of the United States. I shall tell no one. 
out on no one. <laughs> like, I'll probably get that. People will just know. They'll just know. That, I mean, at some point in time, I will get there. Uh, <coughs> I'll win the writing. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll win, I'll win the writing. I'll win the writing based on being such a good person. People are like, it has to be Ben. He's not even campaigning. Uh, it has to be Ben. And then, and then I, in my acceptance speech, I would I will just say, <laughs> little did all of you know, this was in fact my own secret ambition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to Thank you for making it possible. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so that's... I <laughs> humbly accept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, then then he does he dives into what, what feels like could be a decent opener for... It does. Uh, like a defense against the dark arts professor. He says, now be warned. It's my job to arm you against the foulest creatures known to wizard kind. You may find yourselves facing your worst fears in this room. Know only that no harm can befall you whilst I'm here. All I ask is that you remain calm. So, I mean, kind of hilariously is like, I mean, if Lupin had said this before the Boggart lesson, it would be just dead true. Yeah, like, right. Because like he says, you may be facing your worst fears in this room. Like in year three, at least in the year as we can tell based on like in Fantastic Beast, Dumbledore's also teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts and is also doing the Boggart lesson. Yeah. It would suggest that like later, possibly this week, he would be teaching the Boggart lesson to the third year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, okay. You'd think. Yeah. Also, like there is a bit of like in spite of himself, Harry leaned <laughs> around his pile of books for a better look at the cage. It's like, like Harry has pretty much, I think, already decided that Lockhart is a fraud, but it's like, I think it's a great demonstration of like Lockhart's showmanship that like Harry's like, wait, wait, what do you have here? <laughs> like, okay, I'm interested. Like, I don't believe you, but like, there's a thing. There's a, we're going to have a thing. And then like, but again, it's like, what kind of delusions does he have here? Like he has this Cornish pixie thing and like either he thinks the kids are just going to be able to do it. No problem. Or like that, like, but like he knows he can't do it. Oh, I so, know. Like, yeah. What is he doing? I, I, I know. It's like, it's like, this is so, this is so like not a good play. Like, I know it's it, like to the point where it's like, like you just have to ask how delusional this man actually is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there, there's the line though. It says the pixies were electric blue and about eight, eight inches high with pointed faces and voices so shrill. It was like listening to a lot of budgies arguing. I just had to look up what a budgie was because I was like, what is a budgie? Uh, it's small, colorful parrots. Oh, parrots. Parrots. Yeah, okay. Yes, indeed. So well. for I, I imagine squirrels. Squirrels? Yeah, like like budgies. Oh, budgies. Yeah, like I, I was thinking like a bird, which I guess a parrot is. A parrot is a bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you were dead on. There we go. Um, yep. So you got that. I am almost surprised though. It does say within minutes, half the class was sheltering under desks. Like I am, I am almost surprised that they can't handle them in a way. I I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because like like the fact that like Seamus knows what they are. Um, and like I mean, he's just sort of like, well, they're they're not very dangerous, are they? Like, you know, this I'm trying to imagine what like a like a real life version of this type of thing would be like, you know, like if, if somebody were to like uncover like a like a crate full of kittens. You know what? Maybe it may, maybe squirrels is accurate. Yeah. If yeah, someone yeah. was like a cage of squirrels, you'd be like, well, I yeah, worst fears confirmed. But if someone had a giant cage of like fifty squirrels and was like, "Let's see what you make of them," <laughs> <laughs> and just let them free, I'd be like, "Whoa, okay, hold on, there are so many squirrels right now, <laughs> so many squirrels." I yeah. guess that would be, you know, what that'd be. It's a pretty fair comparison because I don't think I would know what to do. <laughs> That's a good point. And squirrels are otherwise like they, I mean, it, it's really funny to me that you could like walk down the street and the squirrel could be right next to you, and you, I mean, you in no way, shape, or form panic at all. I know. But, but if yeah. there were 50 squirrels in your classroom, 
Yeah. It'd be yeah. like, this is too many squirrels. This is a lot of squirrels. This is a lot of squirrels. How did you get them in the cage? Uh, yeah. Did you get them in the cage? Why are they out of the cage? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's okay. really funny. Uh, the the next thing is the, uh, like, so <clears throat> obviously everybody's having a really difficult time. Neville's being lifted into the air by his ears, which sounds just incredibly painful. Um, I think that, yeah, so then um, Lockhart is like, okay, come on now. They're only pixies. And he uh, bellows into the air. Uh, pesky pesky pesternomy, which I think is it's sort of like a um, uh, mad gabs almost of, yeah. of just like like pesky pixies pester no me like, yes like no me like don't pester me anymore right these, these pesky pixies pester me no more it's like he's trying to like morph English words into sounding Latin. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is like what most of the spells are like based in. Right. So it's like it's like, but all you did was just sort of mispronounce a bunch of English words rather than say magic words. It's it's a lot more similar to uh to Ron's spell to turn scabbers yes. yellow on the train. Yeah. So it's like it's like in that vein. It's like and sure enough, it had absolutely no effect. <laughs> um yeah. so does does nothing at all. Um and at this point in time the bell rings, which does the bell always ring that was like one of those where i was like the bell i think i think it's so is yeah. there a bell okay yeah okay. sure enough that's fine then um <clears throat> but yeah so then lockhart runs out the door and catches sight of harry ron and hermione and is just basically like well i'll just i'll just leave it to you three to nip the rest of them back into their cage uh this is because his wand has been taken by the the uh pixies and thrown out the window <laughs> um which i find to be kind of hilarious because i'm pretty sure actually i fact-checked it before we before we did this uh when they are recruiting Lockhart to come and um, like go into the chamber of secrets with them. It says Lockhart was blasted backwards, falling over his trunk. His wand flew into the air. Ron caught it and flung it out the open window. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this comes back to haunt him later. It's like yeah. Man, my wand went out that same window again. Ron's getting a lot of ideas. He's like, oh, Ron, what wand out the window? Got it. I'll use that later. Eat slugs. Got it. I'll use that later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're getting like lots of lots <coughs> of setup for Ron for the rest mm-hmm. of the story. Um, anyway, but then uh, like Ron is just basically like, can you believe this guy? And her Hermione is still just sort of being like, like he's got all the, he he just wants us to have hands-on experience. But like, this is like one of those where like, like, uh, Hermione will then go on to say, you've read all of his books. Look at all those amazing things he's done. And Ron says, he says he's done. And it's like, Ron is just like, you know, right. from like a student's perspective, he has figured it out very fast. Oh my gosh, I know. It's like, I wrote that down. I said, good instincts, Ron. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's a great example of like the difference between Ron and Hermione here. Like what Ron is bringing to the table. It's like, Ron can just like see right through it immediately. And like Hermione is like, it's in books. Like it has to be true. He's a teacher. Like all respect must be given yeah. at all times. And Ron's just like, like you know, uh, how about I look at the situation plainly and recognize the truth of the matter? <laughs> this is not being able to see the forest for the trees yeah. type of situation where like, yeah, Hermione is, she's entrusted books as a reliable uh, like source of information and in like for good reason for so yeah, long right. and it's like all of a sudden the thing that has been so reliable is steering her wrong and it's right. like she uh, just can't see past the books but it is it is like one of those things where I think I think I can't remember if this is just a movie quote or not but um like I think at some point in time Hermione says like I'm highly logical it allows me to see past like all of the other you know like uh, details or information and cut straight through to the to the actual whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a bad job paraphrasing paraphrasing yeah. this particular thing, but uh, she says like she's not smart. She's highly logical. Yeah, she says that about the 
potions. No, well, well, she describes the potions as logic puzzle. Okay, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but this this seems like she has let logic uh, be thrown out the window. Yeah, bit. right. Yeah. In the name of being enamored by Gilderoy. Yes, 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 indeed. indeed. So um, anyway, but that does bring us to the end of Chamber of Secrets, Chapter Six. Do yes, we have a review for does. the day? We do have a review for the day from uh, W Gill Six Twenty Eight. Hey, here we go. All right, so. Says, uh, absolutely love the podcast. It's so fun to listen to the stories with such a fine tooth comb focus on each chapter. The theories that are discussed are so fascinating, too. My husband asked me these questions while we were listening, and I wasn't sure of the answer. Could it? Okay, so this is the question they have for us then. Could it be possible that Scabbers was a real rat when he was with Percy in the first two books? Then, when Sirius escapes, Peter Gr- Pettigrew kills the rat and takes his place in the Weasley household. Is Scabbers missing his toe mentioned before book three? This could be a bit of an explanation for why Fern and George never questioned. Peter Pettigrew being in Harry and Ron's dorm since it didn't happen until the third year. So I, to me, I don't think it is. I, I'm pretty sure by the time we meet Scabbers in book one, he's already missing the toe and it is definitely Peter. But I, I don't hate the idea that like Percy went to Diagon Alley and picked out a rat and had a real rat that Peter then replaced <laughs> replaced yeah because yeah. I, I think i think the kind of like the big explanation is that like peter wanted to live with a wizarding family that would kind of like provide him with a continuous source of like news <coughs> about what was going on in like the comings and goings of the wizarding world um so I I, th- I feel like it makes the most sense the other thing too i think is that there's like sort of like the unusually long lifespan of yeah. scabbers which I, I guess could still come with some amount of replacement but yeah it's, it's it would it would have to be then a bit of a coincidence that like if that's true then the coincidence would have to be that the very year percy got a rat scat like peter came in and just like replaced himself as the rat yeah right which, away because i think there is a line where like ron says like scab has been in my family for a serious interruption he's like 12 years 12 years Here's a long life first. Come and go. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> good, good serious impersonation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I can like feel Sirius's like frustration. When, like, <laughs> like, like, you, you see? Do you <laughs> see the timing? Yeah. <laughs> Awfully fortunate, is it not? Yeah. Um, no, that is super funny. It's a great question, though, and it would it would bring me a lot of comfort versus the scenario where like, because that's the other thing, too, is that like Peter is just like, I mean, it just it seems like such an abysmal existence like to subject yourself to yeah to just to just being someone's pet for so long it does like you know in in this particular capacity and to be kind of like a sucky pet too like, yeah oh like, i know yeah there is a so i i don't i don't think i'm pretty sure as long as we've known scabbers as long as harry knows scabbers He's Peter yeah. the whole time. As for your question about what, like, could that explain why Fred and George don't see Peter on the map? Um, the our, our theory there is that the Marauders don't show up on the map except to the other Marauders. Yes, and it would <clears throat> it would sort. I mean, this has sort of been the theory, just simply because it would be a way for. Uh, like if the map were to fall into the wrong hands, it would protect specifically the Marauders from anybody attempting to use it against them. Right, like um, Snape or something. Right, hey, which I, which the map specifically insults. I mean, that's like a like do we. I guess we don't know for sure whether the map will only insult Snape in particular because the four of them just 
openly did. disliked him or if it would insult anyone who read it, but we just don't ever see it do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it could be some sort of built-in defense mechanism there, um, and that would explain it. If you're wondering about then in the movie how Harry sees Peter on the map, that's not canon. That just puts it in the movie because they didn't want to explain it in any other way. They also don't explain in the movie who the Marauders are. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's, like, that's like one of those things where I've wanted to make a video for a long time, which is just sort of like details that the movies leave out that I'm curious like how they impact non book read people because there's I mean I'm, like the other really big one is that like in Deathly Hallows uh Harry just has the mirror the broken piece of mirror that like connects him to uh April 4th. 4th yeah and it's sort of like like if you're just watching the movies and you're like where did the mirror come from like right what's the deal with the mirror why like why did why do they have that it's like does that like I I have no idea it's like I can't I can't not watch it without knowing all the context that I know from the books and so many rereads and everything but yeah like I, sometimes I'm like if you were just watching the movie are you kind of like uh wait what <laughs> like hey, it's almost like they're relying on you being like uh what do, are we supposed to know about that I he must have had I don't know I guess I just forgot where he got it yeah maybe he had it yeah maybe he had it okay um <laughs> It's been like a year since I saw the last one, so whatever. No big deal. It'll be fine. It'll and make then, sense when it makes sense. Or else they're just like, yeah, you'll. anyone who doesn't know, they'll be there with someone who knows, and they'll be like, what was that mirror? And they'll be like, Sirius gave it to him in year five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Some, like, oh, like okay. That. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Good deal. I'm on board. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they ever do subsequent variations, which it sounds like they're going to, uh, like, like how much more they will be able to maintain true to form, because it, it, the proposed HBO show at the very least seems like it is being described as a 10-year project with seven seasons one for each book so yeah it does seem like there should be lots of room for details like this to to make it in there but it does yes anyway, so. we've gone on such a deep tangent at this point so we have so yeah. anyway long story short um pretty sure yeah um it, it, it is possible that peter replaced an existing rat i i think he's just been Peter the whole time. I think so too. Yeah, yeah that's that's where I'd be at. But uh, great question, either which way. And in the future, if you'd ever like to leave a review or question for us for a future episode, we would absolutely love it. So yeah. definitely uh, go to any of the places, Spotify, wherever pods are cast, really, uh, and leave your leave yourself a review for us to find. It does help the show with a little bit of discovery, which is always great and a good way to kind of support us. So I know. We, yeah, we we're we're well advance. on our way to our very hopeful uh, hundred thousand subscribers over on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and click that button. Just just for the laws, man. Just to, just to get us a button. You I know, know, I know. It'd be so cool. We could put yeah. it on. We could put it on our, our. We have a set here. If you've only ever listened to us, we also have like a, a a video version on YouTube that you can see. Like you can see us sitting here in our chairs. Yeah. It's highly riveting stuff. I know, really, yeah. very, very riveting stuff. We have a flickering lamp behind me and stuff, and a sword. There's a sword. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, you, you know, just you know, if you want to check it out. Um, otherwise, that is going to bring us to the end of chapter six. Join us next week for chapter seven: Mudbloods and Murmurs, as we travel once more through the Gryffindor. Today's episode was edited by Ethan Edgehill. Vaishon Brandon does our art. Catherine Stein is our production manager, and the show is hosted by me and Jonathan Carlin.